Welcome to another episode of our conference kickoff series here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Oh, we kept you waiting for a minute, guys. So so here's the deal. I know last episode, Colin, you were gone in Vegas, and I'm going to ask you about that here in a second. Because um, we were a little suspicious that uh, this wasn't actually a business trip. But um, I threatened the, the audience a little bit, said if we didn't get 10 reviews, Colin wasn't allowed back on the show. We got a couple, wasn't 10, but Colin works all of the stuff on the back of the website and he told me he would cut off my access to everything if I didn't let him on here tonight. So Colin, Colin twisted my arm a little bit. It's a powerful chip. Uh, I don't like to use it, but I'm not afraid to use You've it. You've used it like four times with me, so I don't, I use I don't it with know you. if you want to say that you're not afraid to use it. Well, I'm not afraid to use it, but you mean I'm not, you don't. Sorry, unwilling or whatever yeah, yes yeah i don't use it with with anybody else really um but i, I i'm I'll, I'll throw it in your face a little bit fine be that way um so yeah colin i how was vegas um you stayed where what hotel did you stay in the venetian any gondola rides no no uh gondola. it is that that hotel is famous for the uh the gondola that it has, it goes through the middle of the hotel and then outside and stuff. It's it's pretty cool. But no, didn't get to do that. No gambling either. I was outside the hotel for maybe 30 minutes. Um, well, that makes sense because you're still as white as you've always been. There's yeah. no sun. There's no suntan going nope. on here at all. Nope. No, none. Um, yeah, you didn't it was, get one in Canton either, surprisingly. I know that one I spent. You know, I laid outside in, in, in Canton, you know, and, and trying to tan, but didn't work. Nothing. Nothing. So you got home from Vegas mm-hmm. and then you had to go right to Canton for the expo. Yeah. So um, Vegas trip, I had to, uh, my coworker picked me up at my house at uh, 4 a.m. Uh, we went to the airport, uh, was there and then came back. I got we flew back and we landed in Philly at five o'clock, which is the worst time to be leaving the airport. Uh, didn't get back till like eight, eight thirty ish on Thursday night and then worked a half day Friday and then drove six hours to Canton. I thought that was a quicker turnaround. I guess I, I assumed you were getting in Friday morning. So now I feel less bad that, that we had you drive out there real quick. Um, and join us there. The whole, well, a lot of the C2C team was there, not the whole team. Um, I believe 12 of us. Um, 11, 12, either way, it's pretty, pretty the, strong yeah. showing yeah, from the C2C crew. You may have seen some pictures or videos of us floating around. We all went out to dinner together. Uh, obviously, we did expo things. Uh, a couple of us participated in the King's Classic College Fantasy Draft. What you are, you and Chris were a team. Dwight has a team, mm-hmm. and so does Jared. Um, so, so, uh, I don't really have that team. I just, I was, like, I was like telling you about it beforehand here. Like, the only reason I was even in the room was because, uh, I was the one who accepted the invite into the league. So it was under my fan tracks account. So I kind of had to be And there. Chris's tummy was a little upset that morning. I think probably just ate something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That, or, you know, we were at the bar until two thirty. No, no, it was definitely, it was definitely, he ate something wrong. Come on, Colin. Uh, we were all in bed by nine 30 every night. Um, very professional, very businesslike. Um, <laughs> we do have some videos of us um, that we'll probably be posting here at some point in the near future. 
um, just some behind the scenes, us, uh, you know, just all, all hanging out, having a good time. Um, but I think that's enough. Uh, that's enough about us. Let's talk some college football here. Um, yeah, cause there's a, there's a lot of news and just as a heads up guys, we are not doing a cram session tonight because the news is now flying fast. Um, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 news stories. Some of them we won't, uh, cover too in depth, but I think they were all important enough to at least mention. Uh, and three of them are from Texas. We're going to start off there. Um, some injury bad news and then um, some suspension news as well. So three uh, bigger names out for Texas here uh, for at least the immediate future. First up, Isaiah Nayor out for the season. Significant knee injury suffered in their scrimmage this past weekend. Nayor figured to probably be the wide receiver two for them this year um, and, and kind of play a, um, a a little bit of a different role than maybe Xavier Worthy would, you know, a little, little smaller, a little speedier guy. Uh, Nayor obviously a, a lot bigger. Uh, going to play on the boundary. I mean, I think it's kind of difficult to tell Colin, especially with some of the other injuries and suspensions that are going on here. But I mean, I'm I'm curious who this benefits. Do you have any kind of guys that you're targeting or just any ideas about who um, will maybe benefit with, with Nayor out here? Um, well, there's another guy that we'll, um, we'll talk about in a little bit later who is not going to benefit. Um, but Troy O'Meary is back, supposedly healthy. He's a guy that um, I like. He's a guy that Felix loves. Um, I think, you know, provided he's healthy, he definitely stands to be a, benef a benefactor here. Um, they do bring in um, Brennan Thompson, but it, he hasn't really been making any buzz, so I don't know if he's going to benefit much. Um you know, Jaleel Billingsley too has really been disappointing as well, apparently. So it's not even like they'll just move him out and use him as a big body out wide. What was the quote that like an anonymous coach source said? He's just lazy. I yeah. believe about Jaleel Billingsley. That's about, I mean, that's, that or he just sucks. I think those are probably the two things you don't want to hear about yeah. a player coming from an anonymous coaching source. Yeah. So it's hard to really pinpoint who's going to play that big X outside role at this point. But I think at this point, the biggest beneficiary is probably Jordan Whittington. Um, another guy who, you know, he, he figured to be starting in three wide receiver sets. He figured to have a role and he has had a role in that offense for the past couple of years, but he's also struggled to stay healthy. And he's a little bit more of a hybrid type. Like, uh, you know, he played, I think a little bit of running back at some times, I believe. Um, but he's kind of a little bit more gadgety. Whittington, yeah. It's really interesting. When he came into school, him and Jake Smith were really similar players. And they brought them mm -hmm. in the same class. It was very confusing. Like kind of kind of Randall Cobb-ish. Although I think mm -hmm. Whittington has done a better job of adapting to the slot. Yeah. Than Smith did, who is now no longer in college football. Yeah. So I think Whittington's probably the biggest beneficiary. But I don't know who is going to play that X role at this point, honestly. A lot of question marks. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like you were saying, you know, none of these guys really fit kind of the same the same role. It's it's Savion Red, who's kind of Debo ish. Um, if you have a bingo card, yeah, um, <laughs> the next Debo, you can cross that one off. Brandon Thompson's a smaller guy. I kind of doubt it's him. Like you, I mean, you were saying, you know, Julia Billingsley, probably not him. Jordan Whittington, a slot guy, like you were saying. I mean, maybe just the guys that benefit are the running backs. Like I honestly, I, I think it's a really tough tough guess. Or maybe the only beneficiary really is Xavier Worthy. Can maybe John take Cook come on campus? 
They should yeah, pull some strings. I mean, come on. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. I'm kind of... So here's what I suspect. I suspect it's going to consolidate some of this for Worthy, but I also think Sanders and the running backs are going to be the, the main beneficiaries. Because like you said, Weddington kind of has a hard time staying healthy. Um, and again, like you said, not the same role. So, And I don't think he has any boundary capability no. at all. Like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's there. So um, they're really probably little upset they didn't get uh uh jordan addison now um since that, that should have put a couple extra million on the table for him man really a bunch of cheapskates those long yeah. ones um are we sure it's not troy amiri i mean it seems like he's kind of the only healthy body left in the room which is a weird thing to say about troy amiri but and I like for a his, week. He's the only healthy guy. <laughs> and I like his skill set. So it wouldn't be the craziest thing to me if he was the starting X wide receiver. Um, it'll just be interesting to see if he's healthy and how long he can stay healthy. Yeah, and um, the other guy that that you would think would maybe step into that role or have a chance to is Jai Hall, who is suspended indefinitely, a criminal mischief charge. It's a misdemeanor. Apparently, got a I was trying was caught trying to take a boot off of his car. Um, this is interesting. I know there's a lot of hate for Jai Hall, and we are certainly uh, amongst those. Although I think we try to keep it to to not hate, but just the statistical likelihood of him ever doing anything after having such a poor freshman year, uh, very very low. Um, I'm not gonna blame anybody for trying to take a boot off a car because I think booting no. a car is like one of the it's it's effed up. It's the jaywalking of of car of vehicular offenses. It's really really stupid. So I don't really care that he was trying to take the boot off. The only thing for me is that it just is the neck the the most recent in a long line of examples of him making extremely poor decisions when especially when he knows that he can't afford to be making any more poor decisions. I'm sure he's been told that he was already on thin ice since he's been at Texas. He's already complained that. Uh, the coaching staff was talking about how how many fast guys they have on the offense. They didn't mention a Jai Hall, and Jai Hall had a fit about it. Like I'm sure that he's he's kind of been on thin ice. So now suspended indefinitely. I don't know if that means for forever or whatever. It, 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 such a minor offense, and again, it's it's he'll a be, long list. So it's just the latest yeah, in the string. I, I think but, he'll be back with the team at some point this year. But can you trust him? I mean, no, no right? No. No, you can't trust him. And, and like you said, it's kind of the long, uh, the latest thing in a longer list of just, just some questionable decision making at times. And, um, you know, famously, he's this is his fifth school in four years. So, you know, he just can't really seem to latch on anywhere. Um, you know, I know uh, some people tongue in cheek mention him in the same breath as Antonio Brown. Obviously not the same situation, but just kind of things are kind of adding up here and I'm just not on him. I just, I think there's a lack of maturity there and he is a 19 year old kid. You know, I did a lot of stupid stuff at the age of 19 too. The difference is I don't have millions of dollars on the line and nobody cared what I did. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's college stuff. Like honestly, at the end of the day, I never really get upset at these, about these kids, you know, for, for you know underage drinking although d1 college football like they don't no one ever gets in trouble for that like stuff like that it's really not a big deal um but you know a a consistent pattern not a good thing last guy that's gone down there at texas is roshan johnson who we figure was probably going to function as the backup um 
I think backup's kind of a, a harsh term for him because he last year got like a lot of goal line work and stuff. Like he, yeah. he definitely has a role in this offense beyond just uh, the guy that comes in when Bijan's tired. Um, but knee injury for him too. So maybe need to check that turf down there uh, in Austin. Um, should open up some touches for the other backs. And really the only other, I mean, it's Jonathan Brooks, Keelan Robinson, and Jaden Blue. So we'll see exactly what they end up, how they end up divvying out these carries. It could be a good thing for Bijan. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll stop taking him out inside yeah. the five yard line. They did that constantly last year. It was the worst. So frustrating. Bijan would get him the whole way down the field. And then it's like, no, no. Yeah. I, I'm, that's the biggest thing. My biggest takeaway here is I'm hoping that they will stop taking Bijan out at the goal line because they don't really have anybody else to put in at the goal line. Keelan Robinson's a little bit of a smaller guy. Jadon Blue coming in a little smaller than we thought he was going to be. Jonathan Brooks is, I think he's what, like 210? He's got decent size. I mean, Roshan's not huge either, though. Like, he's a former quarterback. It's not like he's like Mm -hmm. this 235, like, mauler. Yeah. Refrigerator Perry or something. (laughs) True. Um, I I think the other thing that this is going to do is Roshan Johnson. Another reason he had such a big role is they, they liked his pass blocking ability and they had questions about Bijan's pass blocking ability. So I think this is going to force Bijan to be on the field a little bit more in some pass blocking situations. So we'll get a better look at that. Not that that should be like a huge red flag for him, because if you're asking Bijan to pass block and you're not giving him the ball, you're not utilizing him the best, but NFL teams seem to care about that a lot. Um, so hopefully it can just be one other thing that you just add to the checklist and, and it helps him to develop in that area this year. Uh, let's get out of Texas here. I'm tired of talking about them here now. Um, we have to go back to... at some point. Do we have to? Well, not to Texas, but to the state of Texas. Oh, okay. Um, let's go to Western Kentucky. Uh, big news out of there this morning. I don't know if it's quite official yet. I've heard some conflicting reports on this, um, but Jared Dogie is apparently ent- has entered the portal or will be entering the portal or regardless is, is not going to be the starter at Western Kentucky to start the year. It is going to be Austin Reed. We talked a little bit about this battle on um, uh, when we did our breakdown for um, conference. Uh, say? Yes. Thank you. Um, and, I was a little skeptical. I thought he would need another year to kind of sit there. So I don't know if that means that Dougie was just that bad in practice. But regardless, I think a lot of people probably were out there drafting uh, him this this offseason with the intention or the thought that he would be basically discount Bailey Zappi. Collins got his hand raised. How how how? What's you said? You had seven seven Dogies out of how many rosters? Um, out of. 10 or 11 rosters. I'm not exactly sure at this point. Um, yeah, I have seven. So I drafted Dogie a lot this year. Now I will say I did do the patented Colin double tap. Uh, I did take both him and Reed in uh, three of those um, situations. So I do have some Reed, but I don't have enough. Uh, but Dogie is essentially a completely wasted pick. I really did think he was going to be the starter this year, I thought he was going to be, you know, 80% of uh, Bailey Zappi from last year, even 75% of Bailey Zappi from last year. It surprises me that Austin Reed uh, has looked good enough to be the Q, to be named the QB1 there coming from a Division II school. Now, it's, it's Western Kentucky, you know, this isn't, he's not going to Alabama, but still, it's, it's, 
D2 is a, still a pretty big jump up to D1. Um, so, you know, hat tip to him for, for really putting in the work and for looking good. Uh, and I think this maybe also says that Dogie's just not very good. I mean, we, he was at West Virginia, Power 5 school. It wasn't great there, but he wasn't abysmal. Um, so it just kind of surprised me that he couldn't really stick there at Western Kentucky. Yeah, I'm. It, it's very, very interesting. I don't think you're going to get Bailey Zappi production, but I still think you'll get pretty good production. And like, mm-hmm. um, oh, I forget who we had or who I've been talking to. This basically said, you know, even if they hit like seventy percent of production, they're still all like top five or ten assets to their position. And by all, I mean Reed, um, uh, Corley, and and uh, Davis, the the probable two leading wide receivers there. So, um. I think if if Reed is still available, I mean, obviously you're and you have some sort of waiver system. You know, waivers really vary in some of these leagues. But if you have any sort of waiver system, I think he would be uh, an early target. It's actually really nice for the people that like they can only pick up like after week four because you kind of get an idea of how he's going to look and you know whether you should be like blowing your whole budget to go get him or whether you can kind of you know I'll I'll put in a decent bid, but I won't be brokenhearted if I don't get him or whatever. Yeah, he's on the waiver wire in at least two two of my leagues, so I will go put in a pretty significant waiver bid for him because I do really I do still really believe in this offense. You know, I think this is still going to be a it's definitely going to be a pass heavy offense. Uh, I, we don't really have any questions about that. So the question is, you know, how effective can they be compared to what they were last year? And like you were saying, even if they're like 75 percent of that production it's still very good because they threw the ball a ton last year. Yeah. And they're going to do it again this year. I mean, they, they, they lose the offensive coordinator. We talked about all this already, but you know, the, the spark notes, they lose offensive coordinators Zach Kitley guy that's coming up is just another disciple. And they're always going to hire from within, I think at this point or promote from within that just keeps the continuity going there. Um, how about another quarterback that's, that's uh, on his way out. Miles Brennan, another you know, six-year guy, uh, not going to play football anymore. It sounds like this decision was probably helped by the fact that he apparently wasn't going to get the starting job at LSU. If you guys remember, he entered the portal at the beginning of the offseason, and the staff kind of convinced him to come back, which I thought at the beginning of the offseason, I was like, okay, that probably indicates they intend for him to be the starter. I don't know if that actually was the intention or not, but if it was, he got got beat out by probably Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, it sounds like Daniels, that seems to be the rumor, is going to be the guy, but I think, or at least to start the year, but I think both quarterbacks probably still have a shot. Um, so Miles Brennan is droppable now. If you have him in any leagues, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, and if you're a guy hanging on to Jaden Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer, you might have just gotten a little bit of a, a gift early here, although it's probably not going to be that prolific of an offense. Yeah, as far as, you know, it's a gift. It's a pair of socks, you know. I love getting socks. Bombas? Were we, were oh, okay. we all bonding the other night? Point. We were all wearing Bombas socks when we were all like yeah, trying to eat true. pizza at one in the morning. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. Um, it's a pair of non-Bombas socks. Uh, uh, okay. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, thanks, but you know, what is this? Uh, I, I think if you have Daniels, if you have Nussmeyer, if you have Daniels, I would definitely try to use this as an opportunity to move him for whatever you can, because I don't think he's really going to be worth anything for CFF. don't think he's going to rehab his stock. This is about the only opportunity you're going to have. Um, I like Nussmeyer though. You know, he's intriguing. 
I'm not in, investing in him as, as much as, you know, some other people have, you know, you, I think he was the guy you highlighted in our QB summit uh, as a deeper guy that you were interested in. I'm not quite there, but it's, uh, it, it's good to see that he is at least in the top two there. But we don't hear Walker Howard's name at all. Five-star freshman quarterback. Now we, neither of us were that high on him. He is an incoming freshman, so it's not necessarily surprising that he's not making waves right now, but um, still going to be buried on that depth chart. It's really interesting. We actually have, I mean, our Discord has like 500 people on it at this point, so it's got people from virtually every single fan base. And when this news broke today, we were discussing it in the Discord, and an LSU fan um, uh, piped up Chandler in our Discord, and he said, these are my feelings just with all the info I've gathered. And he says this. He, he he puts this together perfectly. He says, playing at Arizona State University all but ruined Jaden's development as a football player, meaning Jaden Daniels. He did not add any weight to his frame. The same mechanical issues he had at 18 are still present. His production fell off year over year. I wonder what the hell Herm Edwards sold him on because he could have played almost anywhere in the country. I think that's pretty bang on. They really did a poor yeah. job of uh, developing him. He's a guy that really likes to push the ball downfield. It's why I've kind of been comparing Jaden Rashada to him. Like, needs a lot of work, but very aggressive passer um, and, and similar kind of play styles. Um, and they made him play conservative. Like, they didn't really want him to run that much, which he can do. They, they again, they like you said, they didn't have, have Madden weight. Um, they ran the ball 50 times a game. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if this ends up either being a, a kind of a short leash type deal where like they kind of flip flop quarterbacks. Cause Kelly has done that before or that he just isn't capable of holding onto that job. Not, none of these uh, eventual kind of outcomes would, would really surprise me too much. No, it's, it's I, neither. I don't have a great read on the room here, but I'm not all that invested in it. I'm not all that interested in it. So I'll watch from afar. Let's go down to USF, and we don't have to cover this one too much because I think this was assumed. When we talked about USF, we we assumed this fact that uh, uh, in our uh, recent transfer, Jerry Bohannon, came in from Baylor, is the starting quarterback at USF. And, and uh, 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 McLean will be the backup, and it sounds like he's probably going to enter the portal as a result. Um, McLean was a guy that we kind of mentioned at the end of last year is like, maybe go stash this guy because he's he's a really good runner at the position. Like he could uh, be a really nice fantasy option. Um, sounds like he'll be moving elsewhere. Um, and Bohannon's an interesting guy. I mean, I don't, I haven't been like rushing to get him in a super deep league or a league where you have to start a lot of quarterbacks or something. I think he's definitely a guy that you should roster uh, or should be rostered, but I'm not sure in like a typical league that I'm, he might be a watch list guy for me. I mean, at Baylor, he was very hit or miss. Yeah, very hit or miss at Baylor, but they didn't really unleash him that much. Now, uh, you know, how much can you actually unleash him um, as a passer? He's a little bit more mobile as a runner. I think USF is more his level. So I am definitely a lot more interested in him here at USF. I, I think he can provide you some nice fantasy weeks at times. It's gonna You're going to have to pick your spots with him, but, you know, he's definitely worth a roster, I think. A couple other interesting um, uh, rumored uh, slash confirmed uh, quarterback uh, race outcomes here. Chandler Morris is rumored to be 
starting a TCU. Shout out to um, Mike Bainbridge and the guys over at CFF site where I got uh, this rumor from. Um, he fits the 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 off the the air raid offense a little more than um, uh, Dugan. Max Dugan ever did. Thank you. Um, so I don't know if this is necessarily a surprise, but this was probably kind of a truly 50 50 uh, battle. So if you if you have uh, Dugan, you're hoping maybe his numbers would improve a little bit this year. Uh, you're probably fine to move him on. And if Chandler Morris is available in your leagues, I would consider um, uh, going after him whenever you're available to do that. Yeah, this is another battle that I, I do truly believe it was 50 50. Uh, like pretty much the entire time. I think, you know, the rumor of Chandler Morris being the QB at this point, they're far enough in at camp that I think it's fair to name a starting QB. And, you know, you just kind of want to pick the guy and get him the reps moving forward. So I like, hopefully this is, is true that the, you know, the rumor and that they have kind of decided that they're going to give Chandler Morris, you know, the vast majority of the reps with the ones I do think you're right. I think he fits the air raid offense better. And and I was kind of, I've kind of been saying that for a little while. I wrote him up in the freshman supplemental guide as somebody I was really interested in. Should he be able to win this job? Because I really like the Sonny Dykes quarterback. Uh, it's going to be a nice system. It's going to be a productive system. So he's a guy I have a couple places. I have Dugan in a couple places. I was really just taking whoever was cheapest. And because like I said, I think it truly was 50 50. But at this point, I would be investing in Chandler Morris. If he's out there in your waiver wire, it's him and Austin Reed very clearly as a, as a top two for me at this point in, you know, early season waiver pickups. Um, and if you have Dugan, I would hesitate to hold on to him. I mean, sure, he can probably transfer and end up somewhere else, but I don't even know if where he would end up that I would be all that interested. So if you have anybody on waivers that you wanted to pick up, I think you can drop Dugan. Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. For those that are new to college fantasy, I know we've picked up quite a few um, uh, first timers here this off season. Uh, buckle up. This is what happens. Um, yeah. Tanner Mordecai probably winning the SMU job, but the staff has said that Preston Stone will get playing time. So um, just the conclusion to that. I don't, don't really have anything to say. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, like I was just saying with the TCU job, I think this was truly 50-50 most of the way. You know, Tanner Mordecai was a starter last year, looked really good to start the season, tailed off at the end of the year, but it was still very productive. And then in came Rhett Lashley, um, who I believe was one of the guys who recruited Stone um, in his previous stint at SMU. Um, so, you know, I do think it was truly 50-50, Mordecai, the experience, he, you know, he gets it. I think it'll be kind of a short leash if he doesn't look that great early on in the season. I could definitely see Preston Stone uh, taking this job at some point during the year. You know, I, I was kind of hoping for an earlier decision on this. So one of them could transfer and go be productive somewhere else, but we didn't get that. So if you have Mordecai, you know, you're happy, but I would be tentatively happy. because, like I said, I think it could be a short leash. That was a lot more words than I think needed to be said there. Um, that's that's just what I do. <laughs> Too many words. Uh, some running back news. British Brooks out for the season. Um, the presumptive starter or at least uh, kind of bigger back uh, in the rotation for UNC. Uh, done for the season here. So it looks like Omarion Hampton is likely the beneficiary. Um, 
but I do. There, there are some other guys still there as well. I think we talked a little bit about this today. Um, regardless of you know if they say Caleb Hood's the starter, a guy that we kind of like last year, or DJ Jones, or or one of the other kind of larger backs on the roster, um, it's going to be hard for them to hold off Hampton, who just has so much more recruiting pedigree than either of them do at this point. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway here is. Hampton is probably the they they they're more invested in Hampton. They're going to want to give it to Hampton. I still have hope for Caleb Hood. It's you know a glimmer here. I was kind of fading in the hope there at the end, but maybe it's back a little bit because I do like him a lot. But yeah, I do think it's probably going to be Hampton here, which is not a guy that I was all that high on coming in. You know, maybe he may end up making me look foolish earlier than most recruits do. Yeah, Felix is is claiming this is a win for anybody that doesn't listen to some of the other shows uh, on our feed here. You should be. should be. Uh, Felix has been on Amari and Hampton, and he's going to totally claim this is a win. Um, yeah. That he, he started immediately. I told you it was great. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's an injury in front of him. We've talk, I've talked about this before, especially on Twitter. Like, how you're right also kind of matters. Yeah, process. Because we all say so much stuff over the course of the year that the event you're going to have some – unfortunate unlucky breaks and some uh ones you get right through no control uh of your own um kaziah holmes no longer on penn state's roster also trevante citizen maybe out for a significant <laughs> well give me one we give me one Jesus. line on kaziah okay holmes. you have 10 seconds i think kaziah holmes is likely to follow to Old Dominion, which is where Ricky Ronnie is, who had recruited him um, with Blake Watson there, potentially moving on after this year. Uh, Kaziah Holmes could be worth something on Old Dominion's roster in 2023. Just a name to keep in the back of your mind. Trevante Citizen uh, might miss some time with a knee injury, um, which is interesting. It sounded like the, the reports came out, I think like Saturday that he had gotten injured at the, the scrimmage and they were saying it's nothing. And now the coach is saying, well, maybe I, th- I believe they used the word significant. Yeah. So a significant amount of time, I think, I don't think they said the injury was significant. So I guess where the, the word is applied kind semantics. of semantics, but uh, regardless, not great. Uh, Trevante citizen, one of our tier one backs here at C2C, a guy that I think universally was pretty well liked there because um, he was the guy brought in by this coaching staff. Um, just a bummer. I mean, I, I, it'd be interesting to see if he even plays enough this year, if they just kind of redshirt him and, and let him get healthy. And because he is probably the future of that backfield, they don't really have a, a back in next year's class at this point. Now, I do hope that's kind of what they do now is, is kind of redshirt him you know, maybe give him some work in like the last game of the year or the bowl game or, or whatever, but just mostly redshirt him, let him get healthy. But it is really a shame because I was listening to the Through the Smoke podcast um, on my way to Canton, one of the many, many, many podcasts that I listened on my way down there. But they were really impressed with Trevante Citizen from what I was listening. They said this room, the running back room is deeper than it was last year, but it's what they said it was hard not to single out citizen as a guy who just looked the part acted the part and they were really impressed with his pass catching ability which is something that you know we highlighted uh when we talked about him in in the guide and everything so you know and that's one of the reasons why we had him as a tier one back his size and his pass catching and it was nice to hear him doing so well and now kind of derailed by that 
injury. Yeah. Um, so I think at this point I'd be turning my attention maybe to a little more Naquan Wright, uh, a little more um, uh, Henry Parrish might might see an uptick in targets, and then obviously uh, Jalen Knighton as well. Naquan Wright's on Florida. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're um, – You're thinking the other... uh, Cheney. Thank you. Thank you. All these Florida backs because it's just such like – <laughs> half of them have like played at florida and then miami and then florida state yeah uh, yes thank you it's don cheney is the other guy there not done not uh naquan right thank you thank you thank you yes um wide receiver news everyone's favorite uh uh player especially felix's uh trayvon rudolph out for the season uh again another knee injury um this doesn't make me want another wide receiver in this offense like this isn't like a next man up type situation i'm just kind of avoiding this whole room for now is there a possibility that maybe somebody steps up maybe but rudolph was a uniquely good player there like they don't have a lot of other wide receivers there that are that are talented enough to kind of take on his role um so this is a if you're like really like trying to figure this out, give it a week or two kind of scout their games and, and, and wait and see if a guy ends up shaking out. But I'm, I'm skeptical at this point. I actually think this is probably good for the running backs there. Cause I think this reaffirms that they're going to have to run the ball as much as they did last year. Yeah. I mean, outside of the service academies, this was probably the most run heavy team in the country. So you know, we you're a big Ontario Brown guy. I liked Ontario Brown. I like Ontario Brown as well. Harrison Whaley, also a guy who should see a lot of work there this year. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't think there's anybody else in this room really worth picking up. Uh, I don't really have anybody else watch listed either. I just think it's a big ding for their passing attack, which I think could actually hurt their rushing attack just because they have nobody else to threaten on the outside. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the two schools of thought will be they won't be able to move the ball as well, and the other one will be well, they have to move the ball somehow. So um, I we'll think see, it's a combination. We'll we'll see which one uh, maybe ends up prevailing there. Uh, and then Avery Davis, the guy that we talked a little bit about when we talked about Notre Dame, he's their slot guy, is a sixty year wide receiver there. Um, I believe he tore the ACL in his other knee um previously and now now another acl injury he'll be out for the season he's the only guy like i think this offense was still going to be very concentrated between michael merritt tight end lorenzo styles uh on the boundary and then chris tyree out of the backfield uh, but if there was another guy that was going to factor in we kind of said you know avery davis could be that guy um so now it sounds like he's not going to be playing at all um so i think this just concentrates those targets even more like now there's no guy that I think is probably going to take away a lot of any of these targets. I think it's going to just really be um, those two or three guys. Yeah, I don't honestly don't even know who the backup guy in the slot is for them. The other guys that we mentioned on their roster were all like boundary guys. I think if anybody benefits air quotes from this, it would be Chris Tyree, who may see more snaps like in the slot. Uh, you know, he's already a dynamic pass catcher. We, we knew he was going to be in, we know he's going to be involved in pass catching passes out of the back. Maybe they slide him out to the slot a little bit more and then put in the thumpers, uh, you know, the running backs in Estime and Logan Diggs if, when he's back. So if anybody is to benefit, I think it just kind of solidifies Tyree as a solid CFF option every single week. 
Yeah, um, I think that's a decent shout as well. You know, maybe maybe they make that shift because yeah, the other guys, some of the Dion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather are, are you know, and then obviously uh, Lindsey and and I mean we have Joe Wilkins listed in the CFF guide. I'm not particularly familiar with him, no. um, but none of those guys uh, do what Avery Davis did. Um, that's it for news, guys. Um, we will we'll, uh, be doing that again at the top of uh, our next show later this week. Um, our last conference uh, kickoff uh, episode. Um, real quick, guys, before we hop into uh, the big uh, or yeah, the SEC East, um, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, and we did get to meet those guys this weekend. It was a lot of yeah. fun getting to talk uh, to a bunch of them, especially some of the college guys there. Um, uh, Wes Huber, um, Josh. Damn, I'm gonna buy. I, we still haven't figured out how you say his last name. Is <laughs> I, I, I think it's Chevalier or something like that. But I, I know some people call who are more friendly with him call him Chevy. I don't know if it's the ethnic pronunciation or not. I don't. Regardless, know. Josh, um, and then obviously JD Yonke was there as well. All guys that that are part of their their college team. So if you're looking for some other college content, feel free to hit those guys up, and then check out the other. Uh, pods on their on their network as well guys a ton of really 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 good shows uh can find them all in one place at fantasy points live uh, or check out their weekly friday drop that recaps the week in the fantasy points media group sec east here colin um not quite as good as the other side of the conference uh that i got to talk about with ethan uh, last week um but still some some uh some big schools here florida the first one uh, alphabetically um quarterback it's the anthony richardson show and i think that's really it there's nobody there to back him up if he gets hurt or, or is terrible there's there's not a lot of other options here so you're probably going to get to see him all year you're probably going to get to see him work out uh, some of his flaws um hope hopefully for his stands um and this offense will only go as far as he does yeah i definitely think he is going to be the catalyst of this offense. And and if he struggles, this offense will struggle. If he looks as good as, as his truthers out there believe he is and, and will look, then this offense could actually surprise some people this year, but it will go as Anthony Richardson goes. And, you know, I know Felix is very, very high on Anthony Richardson. He was, um, did he pick him to win the Heisman in the awards or did he just have him in his top three? I think he picked Will Anderson. Oh yeah, I think he was right. in his top three. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, he had him in his top three. Um, and we had somebody on here. Maybe it was Felix. That was his hot take when he was on here. Maybe, but um, or no, it was Nate. It was Nate Marquise. Yeah. Yes, it was Nate Marquise. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, he's going to be dynamic on the ground. We know that. Like you said, he's going to get to work out some of his kinks as a passer, and we're going to get to learn a lot more about him this year. So I do like that. It's very clearly his job. It has been the entire time. One of the um, the the big sticking points for him is that he just really doesn't have anybody to throw it to. And I think that we feel even worse about that now. Ricky Pearsall, uh, a guy that I kind of like coming over from Arizona State this offseason, um, injured his foot. And they haven't really given a timetable for his return, uh, but, but probably going to be out here at least for a little bit. Um, Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson, kind of the other names that have been tossed around there this year. None of those guys make you feel great. Um, so that, that's kind of why I've been saying, you know, this offense can only go as far as he goes. Cause he's certainly not going to give me help from these pass catchers. 
No, there's nobody on this pass, ca- no pass catcher on this team that I'm interested in, in, in rostering here at all. I not a believer in shorter, not a really a believer in Pearsall. Xavier Henderson is athletic. Um, and that's really all I have about to say about those guys. You don't love shorter from his days at Penn State? Former number one overall wide receiver in his class, right? Yeah. Uh, five star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not do anything at Penn State and has not done anything at Florida. He's had his moments. Come on now. Come on now. He really hasn't. Um, the running back group's interesting, and I still don't think we have a really sound idea of what that, that backfield is going to shake out as. Um, the guy that's been getting the most hype for them, and this is where I wrote down on the show sheet, and I remember Naquan Wright um, uh, has been getting talked about quite a bit, um, which is interesting. And apparently Montreal Johnson has been a little further down the depth chart, a guy that a lot of us have liked. I didn't think that would be the case since Montreal came over with this staff, but is this kind of a red flag for Montreal Johnson that it doesn't sound like he's the head of the committee? I, I think we assume it's going to be a committee. Yeah, I think we kind of always assumed it was going to be some semblance of a committee. I mean, Napier's offenses always operate a committee backfield. But yeah, I was I was 100% with you there. I thought Montrell was going to lead this committee with his familiarity with um, Napier's offense coming over with him and how he looked last year. It's not necessarily a red flag because there's nothing definitive. Uh, uh, You know, there's still plenty of time for him to work his way uh, before the season starts into the lead backfield there. But I think the biggest thing that this says is that, you know, he is going G5 to P5. And there are definitely people who mentioned that, but. You know, maybe I did not put enough stock in what and how much that would mean necessarily because I didn't really believe in the talent of anybody else in this backfield. I mean, Naquan Wright is smaller. He's more of a pass catcher. So I think his role is fairly solidified in that backfield. I don't think they have anybody else who really does what he does. You know, the other guys that Johnson's kind of competing with are Lorenzo Lingard, you know, former Miami guy who came over. He's drawn hype at various times, but has just never been able to put it together on the field. Uh, and then, you know, freshman Trevor Etienne is there too. I haven't really heard much about him. So I still think this is pretty muddy. I still think there's a chance that Montrell can ascend to the top of the step chart, but it's definitely making me question it. And I'm probably going to knock him down a few spots. I might've had him too high this off season. Yeah. I just think he's an average sec running back. That's kind of been my stance on him this off season. Um, Wright should be an interesting guy. I'm not rushing to get him, but if you have a spare roster spot at some point here, he would certainly be an interesting name. I think he's, He's pretty 50-50 on whether he's rostered in my leagues uh, or not. Um, tight end, do we want to talk about the tight end position at all? I mean, Ar- Arles Boardingham is really the guy here that I've been targeting, but he's not really a this-year guy. He's kind of a, a guy for the future. Yeah, I definitely think he's a guy for the future. He's a guy I have watch-listed everywhere. He's a guy that I have not drafted yet, but he is getting drafted. I don't think he's a bad stash for the future at all. I just think he has, you know, some things he needs to clean up. It's a tight end position, so it's hard to invest in freshmen at the tight end position. But if there's any pass catcher in this offense that you're going to invest in or that I would invest in, it's him. 
and it's with an eye towards the future. Um, Xanders is the guy that that kind of got hype in the spring. He's a converted uh, defensive end, but I haven't really heard anything about him uh, in the fall here. So, um, and then Zipperer, who's been there, feels like for forever, um, kind of be the two guys probably here uh, in 2022. Um, let's head over to Georgia, our reigning national champions. Um, Stetson Bennett returns. He, he's pretty locked in at this point. Uh, final year of eligibility. Sneaky fantasy guy, but let's not talk about him. Let's talk about this Colin do we think that the next guy up is on this roster today yeah uh, I do and I've been fairly firm in my stance that I, I like Gunnar Stockton I think he's going to be the next guy up here you know five-star QB going to Georgia I know we talk about you know kind of tongue-in-cheek and we joke about you know the lack of passing in Georgia's offense I think that's 100% valid but I think when the time comes, if a former five-star QB quarterback for Georgia for two or three years with the tools that Stockton has is going into the NFL draft, I think the NFL will value that to some extent. Now, I did have the benefit uh, at the expo of riding like for almost 45 minutes in a car uh, with our Georgia insider. Um you know, when we were headed to the, to the restaurant and we were, this was one of the things I was asking him about, you know, what, what is this going to look like next year between Beck, Vandegrift and Stockton? And he said, Vandegrift, really not a factor. He's looked overmatched his entire time there just has not looked like an sec caliber quarterback. He probably should, he probably should have been out of there a little while ago. Um, but between Beck and, um, between Beck and Stockton, it's been fairly even throughout the early part of this fall here. Um, Stockton has looked better in the fall than what he did in the spring. Beck hasn't looked quite as good in the fall as what he did in the spring. Um, so it's kind of evened out a little bit. And he says if if it's going on an even playing field next year, he thinks they would lean Stockton and would start Stockton. Then there you go. You know, you got the five-star toolsy guy starting as a sophomore at Georgia. Uh, and I think that can mean something. So I actually have a decent amount of Stockton, but he's been one of the five-star QBs that people have been a lot lower on. Well, it doesn't help that he wasn't listed on fan. Well, he was, he was listed as a defensive back um, for months. <laughs> um, yes. So um, I think it's going to be back. I think it's going to be back. Um, Vandergriff will never, will never play there. Um, he's terrible. Uh, and we said as much, last year um i'm not as high on stockton he's looked awful the last two times we've seen him and the only time he's looked good at georgia is in seven on sevens with no pass rush which is his fatal flaw the pass rush so i'm not a believer in him personally um, I would put my money on Beck, but I'm not clamoring to have the next guy here because they kind of suck at getting that stuff set up. Um, running back, this is supposed to be Kendall Milton's year. He's waited his turn. Uh, former, uh, really highly recruited guy, high four star. Can he stay healthy? 
and can he showcase a bell cow skill set? There's kind of two questions in there. Not kind of. There are two questions in there. That's a difficult dichotomy there uh, because one, these are kind of mutually exclusive. If he can't stay healthy, obviously he cannot showcase the bell, the bell cow skill set. Um, so I'll tackle the first one of this. Can he stay healthy? That it remains to be seen. He's constantly been banged up with injuries these entire time there. And it's not a good sign that he's already banged up at this point. So this is a pretty big question mark. And can he stay healthy? But if he is on the field, can he showcase the bell cow skill set? Yeah, I, I do truly believe he has a bell cow skill set. I truly believe that if he is on the field and is getting the snaps and getting the carries and he is healthy, that he will show that skill set and he will be he will have a really nice year. But like I said, this is kind of mutually exclusive here. You can't show that off if you're not on the field. And it's not a good sign that he's not been able to do that so far. I'm in. I. I. One of these running backs, I'm going to put it this way. One of these running backs that we've kind of, some people have written off, I think will break out this year. And it's going to be interesting to see. We're going to talk about Marshawn Lloyd here in a few minutes when we talk about South Carolina. He certainly falls into this category too. Uh, another guy that that maybe um, you can buy him this offseason and, and ride um, uh, maybe a wave of production uh, to higher value. It's just interesting. I mean, they just have so many other backs there. I know they're going to try to to get him as the bell cow, but um, it, it's a deep backfield. It always is at Georgia. Um, Andrew Paul there, Branson Robinson there, um, uh, Dejan Edwards there, and so is Kenny McIntosh. I actually want to ask you about McIntosh real quick, Colin, because he's gotten some buzz. I know Noah uh, Hills, uh, Noah More Parties uh, does the Hero RB show on uh, the podcast feed here. Did a show a couple weeks ago about Kenny McIntosh and how he, um, the diversity in terms of his uh, route running and receiving work is uh, notable. Um, the, he, he scores pretty well in those categories and he's been a pretty uh, efficient runner. Uh, I'm not necessarily a huge believer, um, but we've seen multiple backs from Georgia get drafted fairly highly and you know every year so i do think that there's a chance that he does go higher um than than many are are figuring especially because uh he's also decent in pass protection so i think he's got a lot of things going for him are you a, a macintosh believer so he's a guy that i have a hard time rostering so i don't know how much he's actually going to do this year and the the future draft capital is just ambiguous enough where i'm not sure i'm buying into it but he is very cheap like it's not like you have to spend a high capital on him yeah, he is a guy that uh, I, I'm I, I'm a Macintosh believer. Uh, if you've listened to the uh, RB show summit that we did, which apparently Austin did not do, uh, he was my flag plant. Um, he was my guy that I thought would or no, he was my guy that was a little bit deeper that I thought would make a really nice rise. And it's because of a couple of different factors, but one of which Milton seemed to struggle to stay healthy. Uh, the other one is his deferred skill set. I mean, he's got NFL bell cow size. He's, I believe he's six foot or six one, two twenty, right around that size. Really good size. He catches the ball really well out of the backfield. He has returned kicks uh, for them at times as well. So very diverse skill set. I question the top end athleticism. I don't think that's quite there, but 
I don't think it necessarily matters all that much. I think whoever out of Milton and McIntosh and I guess potentially Edwards, you know, you can, we can put him in there like you had mentioned. Um, one of these guys the NFL is going to like. I, I mean, multiple years there have been two Georgia backs that get taken on day two or, you know. So the NFL likes Georgia running backs. I think that matters. And Kenny McIntosh is very cheap. So he's a guy that I've been getting a decent amount of places this year. He's a guy that I like, and I am willing to invest in him even before the Kendall Milton injury. And I think his stock is slowly climbing up with this uh, potential injury here. Um, yes. So <laughs> weren't listening, huh? No, I actually was. I had a follow-up question in my head, and then we got to the end, and it was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's okay, Um, because we can talk about Branson Robinson and Andrew Paul here. So it sounds like Andrew Paul might have this job, or like not not the starting, but like might he's apparently he's been playing better than Branson Robinson has in practice. Um, Slightly shocking to me, even as the Christopher Columbus of Andrew Paul. Um, I think he's a good player. I'm not sure in the long run he ends up being significantly better than Branson Robinson. Um, But regardless, it is interesting that uh, he had some skeptics saying he was playing a low level of competition uh, down there in Texas. and He didn't really break out until later in his career there, but he seems like the momentum is kind of picking up where it left off. Yeah. Like you said, momentum picking up where it left off. I mean, he had a phenomenal senior year there and, you know, it's it's still Texas football. You know, it's not like he's playing in North Dakota or, or anything like that. Um, you know, so I think that matters a little bit. He had a very steady rise throughout the offseason. And then, you know, he had a number of suitors at, at the end there. You know, Washington and Clemson and Georgia all wanted him. He goes to Georgia and they already have a five-star guy committed there, Branson Robinson. So we're kind of questioning what this was going to look like. But I never really thought Paul was that much worse of a player than Branson Robinson. My biggest question was, can both of these guys actually end up, you know, performing well at Georgia at the same time? Because they're in the same class and they have virtually the same skill set. I do think it's notable that Paul has looked better than Branson Robinson. I also do think Branson Robinson will catch back up. So this doesn't really do anything for me. You know, this just is kind of status quo but i if you were lower on paul then i think this should bring paul up in your ranks yeah why not i mean it sounds like he's at least going to get playing time i mean there might have been a thought that he just wouldn't touch the field at all this year um and georgia will certainly be in some blowouts so i figure they'll rotate through their stable of tight ends and running backs uh pretty heavily as the year goes on um let's talk receivers though before we dabble with the tight ends um so much talent, so little production kind of seems to be the the moniker for this wide receiver room. Uh, and it's even it's a little thinner uh, today than it was a few days ago. Arian Smith has an ankle injury and he's out uh, probably through the rest of the, the camp here. They've got some names beyond him and he wasn't you know figuring to be the guy there anyway. Adonai Mitchell, second year guy there. Um, sounds like he may he might be kind of the alpha-ish kind of guy. You've got Lad McConkey there, Kiaris Jackson in the slot, Dominic Blaylock, if he can stay healthy for more than uh, a couple of minutes. Um, 
it sounds like uh, with Smith down, uh, uh, Jackson Meeks has actually been getting some reps in practice, which I think is interesting. He was a three-star that we both kind of liked uh, last year. Um, more you. I'll give what? you that. Oh, okay. That's how we both liked him. But, um, uh, I mean, I was intrigued, but that was he was definitely more your guy. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Tip. Um, and then uh, just a couple other guys there, but they really haven't been getting much hype. Denylon Morissette, who's kind of the slot incumbent, and then uh, Marcus Roseme. Um I, I mean, these guys are all really great in theory, the idea of all these guys, because they're all pretty talented playmakers. But at the end of the day, they don't throw the ball to the wide receiver enough to really make any of these guys intriguing. I mean, beyond Adam and I, Mitchell, are you buying any of these players? No, I'm not even really buying Adam and I, Mitchell. I mean, I, there are other people who are higher on him than I am, so I do not have very much of him. Again, it's more just, you know, the Georgia offense. We, we're not really going to see that much production. Now, Georgia does get wide receivers drafted well, but they do typically end up being later guys. I mean, Pickens, you know, taking the second round. Um, but, you know, most of the other guys end up, Cole was early too, but the other ones tend to go a little bit later. Um, Adnai Mitchell, intriguing skill set. He's a guy that I, I'm definitely interested in, but I'm not super high on. The rest of these guys, like you said, are just better in theory i don't think this passing offense can support really any cff fantasy relevant wide receiver and if it is it's one and it's adonai mitchell the rest of these guys you're taking them and hoping for their debbie assets and i'm not all that high on any of them for that purpose so yeah i'm not really all that interested in any of these guys um tight end then i mean there's it's it's a very, very, very strong room. I don't feel bad saying it's the deepest group in the country. I think a couple questions here. First one, can Brock Bowers repeat last year's performance? I think it's it's possible. I mean, I, I'm not I don't think it's probable, but I think it's certainly possible. Yeah, it's definitely within his range of outcomes. Yeah, he can definitely he definitely can repeat. I don't I'm with you though. I don't think he will repeat that performance. I think he'll have a very nice year. I think he'll probably still finish as a TE one, you know, maybe it's closer to that 10 to 12 range in terms of fantasy. Um, but I think just the pure depth of this room and one, these guys are so talented that it's hard to keep them off the field, despite how talented Bowers is. And two, you want these guys on the field because you don't want them to transfer out. So they're going to want to kind of rotate some guys. And, um, you know, uh, Jared uh, Palmgren from our site, CFF, Jared, he uh, likes to bring up the question that um, Todd Monk in their OC was asked uh, about, you know, the possibility of running four tight end sets. And he said, if you do that too often, you will have wide receiver transfers. And Jared's always like, he didn't say no. So that, I, I think you're going to see multiple of these guys on the field at the same time is, is kind of the point. You're going to see a lot of two tight end sets just in kind of rotating these guys, which will hurt Bowers a little bit. But again, I think he can still be productive for CFF and he still has that Debbie potential. 56 catches, 882 yards, 13 touchdowns and added another score on the ground last year. That was Bowers. Uh, can Eric Gilbert rebound is the second question. Gilbert came out of the blocks just really strong his freshman year at LSU a couple years ago. Um, eight games, 35 catches, 368 yards, and two scores. Uh, opted out 
uh, the last couple games of the year, homesick, transfer home, sit out all last year. Sounds like he's back in shape. They're saying that he's right around 255 now. He was massive, apparently, <laughs> when he wasn't playing. Um, so that's that's a really, really, really good sign. Um, do we think that he has a nice year there? I mean, he might not have 40 catches because there's a lot of other guys there. But I think, you know, uh, establishing as a red zone target, uh, possession guy, I think that'd be a good season for him. Yeah, I, I do think he can rebound. Uh, like you said, probably not looking at 40 catches, but I think you could look at, you know, seven, eight touchdowns this year as a, as a nice red zone option. That's always something he has done very well. But I think the biggest thing for Gilbert rebounding and rehabbing his stock is just getting through the whole year, playing the whole year, not having anything come up and, you know, having some sort of a production. I think if we see that, this is a guy that is is a day two tight end, just on sheer athletic ability, receiving ability, and size alone. Um, how many how many picks do you think are on day two, Colin? In an average draft. Are there 32 teams in the NFL draft? There are 32 teams. 32 Good teams. work. Okay. Um, three rounds. Um, yeah, there's like 130 picks, I think, right? On just on day two? Yeah, something like that. There's there's two rounds, second and third round. Oh. So then it's probably more like 90. I'm not good at math. I'm sorry. Who taught you math? Uh, don't disrespect like my math teachers like that. Legitimately it's not scary their fault. that you it's could not, not do fault. that that two plus two. Um, regardless, the amount of players that you think are going to go day two is greater than the amount of picks that are available, Colin. So I want you to maybe think a little bit about this before next time you say I'm this also guy doing this strategically, and I'm saying he can be a day two. He has a path to day two draft capital. So no, I, I'm don't. just I'm just hedging all over the place. It's it's basically a crime punishable by death. Uh, we'll talk after the show. Um, but am I wrong? Do you not think he could get drafted on day two? Irrelevant. Does Darnell Washington <laughs> do anything significant for fantasy purposes this season? Uh, no, I don't think he does. He's the type of guy. He might have like four or five touchdowns this year just because he's an absolute monster. They'll probably run multiple tight end, tight end sets in the red zone and he could you know, throw a couple jump balls, but I don't think he's going to have much more than, you know, 15 catches on the year. How many catches do you think he has so far in his college career? Played four games as a freshman and eight games last year. Um, I'm going to say eight. 17. Oh, okay. That's not bad. That's he, not had, bad. he had 10 last year, 10 for 154 and one. Okay. I could see him having a 10 for one fifteen and three or four touchdown season. I think that would be about as good of a season as I would expect of him. You know, maybe he hits 12 catches or 15 ish or something like that, but no, I don't think he does anything significant for fantasy purposes this year. Um, he's just behind the other guys in the room, uh, honestly. And I mean, I've heard he has looked better this year he has looked good. He's been kind of like a, a little bit of a more of a leader from what I've heard, but I don't really think in the end that that's all going to matter all that much. The other two guys are just more talented than him. And you can only run three tight ends so often. Last question here. Oscar Delp, four-star 
uh, tight end coming in this year, a guy that a lot of us really, really like. Does he redshirt? I think he should. Will he? He is talented enough that I could see them playing him in more than four games. I think for his career development, it, it would be best to redshirt him and let him take over after presumably one of Gilbert or Washington moves on, at whether it's to the NFL or to another school. I don't know. But I think for his development, it would be best to, to redshirt a year. His talent may not allow that, though. Yeah, tough to say. Um, and and um, some of these guys obviously don't have the greatest track record with injury. Um, right. So, so maybe True. that gets True. him on the field uh, in some way or the other. Uh, let's over to head over to Kentucky. Can Will Levis play himself into the first round? I think is the question. I know we're not fans of him, but I think it's definitely possible that he can do it. I am skeptical with a worse receiving core this year that he improves himself i think he's much more likely day two at the end of the day but i know there are a lot of people out there that disagree with that no i don't see him playing himself into the first round like you said the 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 wide receivers are worse there and you know we'll talk about them a little bit later they're worse this year i think talent wise there's some talent in the room but two of those guys are freshmen um so he's going to have to do more this year for this team to kind of repeat the same performance. And I don't know if he necessarily does it. I also don't think he's a good enough passer to be a first round quarterback. We saw the NFL this year pass on some guys who were toolsy and raw, but weren't, you know, great passers like, you know, Malik Willis, um, Matt Corral had flaws as a passer too. So I, if they're not going in the first round, I don't think he will. It's really going to depend if some GM thinks that he can be his next uh, Josh Allen or not. Um, there were rumors earlier this offseason that Chris Rodriguez would face a lengthy suspension. It now sounds like maybe he's not going to face, like maybe like a game. Um, so I think this puts him back on the radar. I was avoiding him all offseason. Um, so a bit of a, a bummer, but um, they also have a lot more bodies there in that backfield this year. So I'm, I'm interested to see if he gets quite as much usage as he did last year. Like he got an absurd amount of the uh, touches there last year. Yeah, he did. True bell cow last year. Uh, I mean, just, you know, not, nothing more to really say about it other than that. Now he um, is a guy that, I was also avoiding for the same reason that you were, you know, he is, he had that questionable suspension coming up and, you know, we didn't really know how that's going to shake out and we still don't really know how that's going to shake out, but there hasn't been any rumors of that lengthy suspension. So it sounds like it's not going to be quite as long as we thought at one point, but yeah, there are better bodies in the room this year. They bring in uh, Ramon Jefferson, a transfer from uh, Sam Houston state Good size, 5'10", 215. He has some impressive tape out there. He's a guy that I think can work his way into somewhat of a rotation here. And Kentucky isn't ever really been like a true rotate the backs kind of a backfield. But, you know, if if Chris Rodriguez faces, you know, let's say he faces two or three games and Ramon Jefferson starts the year and looks good to start the year, I don't think they're going to turn away from him from that. So I think he can earn 
some carries in this backfield. So he's a guy that I've been watch listing in a lot of places, especially given my earlier thoughts on Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, looking at the touch breakdown last year, 225 carries for him. Um, next closest was Will Levis with 107, and then Smoke with 81. Um, so uh, if he can maintain that very valuable guy, if not, maybe not so much, although he did average over six yards a carry, so he was efficient. Uh, Tavion Robinson comes in a wide receiver figure to play the Wandale role there, kind of the slightly undersized dynamic slot. Uh, Dane Key been the name, getting a lot of hype on the outside. True freshman, uh, bigger bodied guy. Um, I don't think that Tavion is Wandale. Like no. I think people are ex- are projecting him into a role that didn't exist before Wandale got there, which I think is. A, a mistake i actually am not high on david robinson i don't think i have him in any leagues because i just don't expect that level like you go watch wandale all 22 last year and watch how much he just bailed out will levis at times i don't think robinson has that same skill i think he's a good player but he's not wandale robinson yeah i completely agree wandale robinson covered up a lot of mistakes from levis last year and wandale robinson is you know, despite his size, he earned day two draft capital. Um, you know, he's he was a dynamic player, very versatile. Tavion Robinson is like maybe dollar store Wandale Robinson. But like you said, that role didn't really, the Wandale role didn't really exist at Kentucky before he got there. They brought him in from Nebraska out of the portal. And I'm sure part of the reason that he chose Kentucky is they said, hey, we are going to use you. We are going to use you as a receiver. We're going to use you in this way and that way. And, you know, maybe some of those promises were potentially made to Tavion Robinson, but he's not the same player. I do have a couple Tavion Robinsons because I liked him at Virginia Tech. So I like him as a receiver, but if you're expecting, you know, Wandale usage and Wandale numbers, you're going to be very disappointed. Yeah, truly kind of a one of one, one of a kind uh, player there. Um, Let's head over to Missouri here, Colin, a new quarterback, Connor Basilak is gone. He's at Indiana now. Um, Did they force him out? That's a way worse situation than Missouri, right? That's one of the more bizarre transfers this offseason. That's that's not greener pastures. It's not. And I mean, obviously, we can't say for sure whether they forced him out or not or anything like that. But I think maybe the writing was on the wall for Basilak that this isn't where my future is going to be. I'm going to have my work cut out for me this spring with Brady Cook, who looked good at the end of last year in some stints for Basilak. Like he looked solid at times, you know, and Tyler Macon was there too, who was a fairly decent recruit. Uh, You know, his name has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit, but there was, and then, you know, we'll we'll talk about Sam Horn in a minute too, but there were enough names there that I think Connor Basilak may not have been necessarily forced out, but they probably said to him, Hey, you're going to have to earn this. And he decided he wanted to go somewhere else. Brady Cook's named the starter, at least for week one. Um, they named him pretty early. Sam Horn is waiting in the wings. Man, I don't know what you guys see in Sam Horn. That's still just like an all-time bizarre um, process for me, especially because this offense is not a pass-heavy offense. Um, but regardless, I mean, I 
I'm not a fan of rostering either of these guys. I think if you're like, look, if I have to roster one, I'm going to take Horn just because I don't want Mr. at all. And maybe, yeah, maybe Horn could be good. I mean, but I, I, I don't get whatever's going on at quarterback here. I think the rest of this offensive roster is interesting. And then they've totally just botched this position horribly. Yeah, I, I don't know why you said you guys with Sam Horn. I'm not a Sam Horn. I thought you were one of the Horn gang. I'm I was high. gonna I was gonna say you're a Horn me, but I didn't say it. So you just did. No, I didn't. Um, I, I spread it out enough. Um, I like Horn more than you did. I didn't hate Horn, but there are you know Matt Bruning very high on Horn. I'm not nearly that high. There are other people who are also very high on Horn. I'm not quite that high. There was a very real possibility of him getting drafted this year in baseball if he wanted it. Um, and I'm not necessarily ruling out that his future is in baseball. Um, so that's one concern that I have for him, but I also just, I don't love him as a player. Um, I think Brady cook is serviceable and will hold this job for a little while. Um, but yeah, I'm not really targeting either of these guys either. And the only place I would even really consider rostering, um, probably either one of them is in like a 24 teamer you know, in a deep league or start three QBs or something deep like that. Yeah. Um, and it's a bummer because we really like Luther Burton. I think he's kind of the obvious guy there, you know, the top wide receiver here in the class, uh, kind of, kind of an odd landing spot, but a, a place where he'll go and get playing time right away. Um, do we care about anybody else here? I mean, I noticed there's been some whisk- whispers about Dominic Love, but we just talked about how bad the quarterback situation is. Like, I don't know if they can support two of these guys here. No, I think there's there's some intriguing talent in the room. You know, Mookie Cooper is a guy that last year we thought could do something there. I still think he has a role, you know, in an offense like this. He could be a nice complimentary number three guy. Um, and, and like you said, Lovick, it, it, Lovett has been getting some some hype and, and he's an intriguing guy, too. So, you know, I think those are nice complimentary pieces to Burden. It is just a shame that, like I said, Brady Cook is like competent i don't think he's good enough to support anybody beyond burden this is burden's room probably from day one and if not day one probably like week two or three uh he will emerge as the by far dominant player in this room and the only guy that you really want for cff purposes and really the only guy you would want for debbie purposes as well yeah i would think so too um last one up here colin and this one's still a bit of a mystery here Coaching staff was implying within the last couple of weeks that maybe Nathaniel Pete is not the guy there. They do have um, Elijah Young, um, and uh, there's somebody else there as well. Touch butts. Yeah. Uh, no, butts. You just wanted to say butts. He's not one of the guys, is he? He was there. Maybe he transferred out. I, I he's know. there, but I don't think he's like one of the guys. Like Tavoris Jones uh, was a guy that I like a lot as well. Incoming freshman. I, I think it was there was even another name. But regardless, like I don't think we know who the guy is here yet, like, which is kind of scary considering how much Nathaniel Pete, we were talking about pre-show we were both yeah. buying earlier this off season. I've, I've slowed a little bit, but um, Same. Not, not great, Bob. Yeah. I have uh, him on, uh, I think we were talking pre-show. I have him on like five rosters. So I have a good amount of Nathaniel Pete. I've been taking him in a lot of places in supplemental drafts this off season. I'm still not super concerned 
My biggest concern is that maybe the running back split isn't quite as heavily favored towards the number one guy as what it was under Beatty and Roundtree. Both guys who, you know, they got drafted. Um, they had intriguing skill sets, at least. And Nathaniel Pete kind of does as well, but I don't think he's quite as good as either of those two guys. Um, you know, and like I said, DeForest Jones is a guy that I like. Elijah Young is still there too. So maybe it's not quite as heavy of a split towards whoever ends up being the number one as what we thought it was going to be originally. But I do still think Pete is going to end up being the number one guy in this room. Um, that's the way it had been signaling and trending earlier. So unless he's kind of fallen off, I still think it'll go that way. But I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned. And he is another guy that I should probably bump down a bit. Yeah, just getting a little bit nervous there. And they've played smaller guys in the past, which is why I wasn't terrified of the uh, the thought of Nathaniel Pete there, uh, who's in the 190s. But um, uh, we shall see there for sure. Um, South Carolina. Uh, I think this offense is only going to be able to go. I mean, this is a very quarterback-driven um uh, side of the conference here like these teams are only going to go as far as the quarterback can go you can say that about um uh, probably about um kentucky you can probably say it about florida um and you can definitely say it here about south carolina and spencer rattler like can he rehab his stock um at a slightly lower level than he was at out there at oklahoma yeah, I do think he can rebound his stock. Now, probably not quite to the level that it was where we were talking about him as potentially a number one overall pick or a top five kind of a guy. Um, but I think he can get back into the conversation of the end of the first round. If I am betting on a third quarterback going in the first round, he would be one of the guys in that group that I would be projecting to be that third guy. He would be on that short list. Do I think it happens? Probably not, but I, you know, I, I do think he can rebound his stock a little bit. You know, there's a lot of negativity around him at this point, you know, and I don't think all of it's necessarily fair. You know, when the fans are chanting for the freshman quarterback and, you know, they uh, you know, are, are doing that on your home field and, you know, that can't feel good. Um, so, you know, I feel bad for him a little bit, but I, I do think he can actually have a nice year here at South Carolina. You know, he's not going to put up the numbers that we thought he was going to put up at, at Oklahoma, but I think he can be solid. You know, he's going to have some weeks where, you know, they will definitely be fantasy relevant um, weeks, eh, despite this team probably being a little bit more run heavy, but they also have not had a quarterback as good as Rattler, at least in terms of raw skill. So, yeah. I think he can rebound his stock a little bit. He's a guy that I think is an is a nice post hype sleeper, a la that uh, Bo Nix level. Um, he has all the tools. I mean, I think an NFL team, if you if an NFL team likes Will Levis, there's no reason to not like Spencer Rattler, except for the fact that Will Levis is slightly bigger um, yeah. and is a little more mobile. But like in terms of like throwing tools, I don't think Levis is anything better than Rattler. Um. So he's, uh, we'll go to wide receiver first because I think, you know, we're talking about him leading this offense here. Uh, Antoine Wells coming over from uh, James Madison. 
Uh, Corey Rucker coming over from Arkansas State. Josh Van, one of the incumbent guys. Jaheim Bell was there last year uh, at tight end. And then Austin Stogner, um, uh, package deal, I guess, with Spencer Rattler. It's a pretty good receiver group. There's not a, a stud here, but it's very well-rounded. I, I, I'm I'm slightly skeptical that any of these guys are super um, great for fantasy, but I think they're all really intriguing names, and it's one of the deeper wide receiver groups in the country. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is one of the best wide receiver rooms in the SEC East. Um, you know, I, I like a lot of these guys. They don't quite have that top-end talent that you would like to see. They don't really have a number one guy. Now, we don't necessarily know what Antoine Wells Jr. will be or what Corey Rucker will be. They were both very productive at lower-level schools. So we'll see how they translate to South Carolina. But I think that they are both good enough receivers that they make this room very solid, very well-rounded. I agree with you, though. I don't think anybody is really going to be relevant for fantasy purposes because I think all of these guys are pretty much on that same level of talent-wise. I, you know, I think they're probably going to spread this ball around. It wouldn't surprise me at all if you see these three guys get like, you know, 500 yards, 600 yards, and 800 yards, or so, or something along those lines. You know, I, I don't think anybody's really going to separate themselves from this group. But if we like. Spencer Rattler, and we like these receivers. You know, I think this uh, this could be a sneaky good passing attack. An interesting group for sure. Running back, the final group here to talk about, and I mentioned Marshawn Lloyd's name earlier. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if he can have a true breakout season there. They've got a lot of different guys in the backfield there uh, beyond Lloyd, um, who who missed that freshman year with a knee injury, and then last year. Um, very disappointing average under four yards a carry kind of in his first year back. Not all these guys come back uh, as quick as maybe you would hope uh, with no Kevin Harris knows a quandary, right? But they do have Juju McDowell uh, and one or two other guys there as well. Um, so I, I, I don't really care about any of the other ones though. I just want to know is, is, is there a chance that Marshawn Lloyd can break out this year? Yeah, I absolutely think there's a chance that Marshawn Lloyd can break out this year. Now I've, been a fairly staunch um, Marshawn Lloyd truther. I, I I believe in his talent. I do think this is going to be a committee back this year, um, you know, between him and Beal Smith and Juju McDowell. Rashad Amos even had a, a, couple, a nice game, I think, last year, uh, or a nice run or two last year. But I think Marshawn Lloyd will lead this committee. Um, and I think he is, if he can regain some of that uh, explosiveness, that we saw pre-ACL injury uh, heading into his freshman year. He's a guy that I still like a lot as like a post-type sleeper. So, yeah, I I do think that Marshawn Lloyd can have a – maybe not a traditional breakout year where he's, you know, just the absolute monster, but I think he can have a, a really, really nice year. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a possibility too. I mean, he's got NFL size. He he was an NFL level athlete. Um, we don't know exactly what he looks like now. I mean, it's, last year was just a shell of himself. Like I, I, I that was not him. So, um, we'll see what he looks like this year. Um, Tennessee, our oh, last school. Are we jump over the the actual relevant tight ends here? 
I just talked about Shaheen Bell and Stogner. I threw him in that that I thought you were just going to talk about him if you wanted oh. to, and you didn't. So, I mean, okay. do you want to talk okay. about Shaheen Bell? No, no, no. It's fine. He's fine. He's kind of I mean, H-back-ish. I, I like him. He's a talented player. I think he's just going to rely a lot on where he ends up in the NFL uh, okay. as to whether he's um, uh, he pans out or not, basically. Okay. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I was going to say, I, I do like uh, Austin Stogner as well. It's just... I don't know how they're going to use these two together. I don't know if they will use these two together. So that's my big question mark on them. Um, But the last thing I just want to say on South Carolina is uh, I think this is the number two team in the SEC East this year. Uh, I think this offense is really good. It has some really, really nice pieces and they bring back all five offensive linemen. So I think this is the second best team in the SEC East. Shout out Chris Moxley. Wow, interesting. I don't, um, but we, <laughs> but we can move on there. Uh, I don't need any bonus points with Chris, so I don't. You either. don't either. Chris probably kind of owes you. <laughs> I wouldn't say Chris owes me. Uh, Tennessee. Uh, can Hendon Hooker be quarterback one in all of college football this year for fantasy? It's the point oh 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 one percent of his outcomes. So is there, you know, this is um, this is Doctor Strange holding up the one finger in uh, in Avengers. Um, that's the one. There's one path to that, and I don't know if I see that happening. But I think he will be a top five guy, a top ten guy. I think he's going to be very consistent, and he's going to be very good all year. Yeah. Um... I think he could be. I really, really like him. Uh, a hypo offense, second year in it. Um, a, a more weapons than he had last year, in my opinion. They really only lose uh, Bellish Jones. Uh, Cedric Coleman and him have really good chemistry. There you go, Bellish. If anyone can be, uh, if anyone can be uh, day two, then then certainly those guys can. Um, they're running backs. Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, Justin Williams, Lynn J. Dixon. Um, it's a pretty strong group, and Hypo rotates pretty heavily. So it's tough to project any of them for like a ton of production. I, I've been vocal at, at Jabari Small, I think, can be that guy. Um, but I think, you know, Wright will lead in, Williams will lead in, Lynn J. Dixon will, be, will lead in. So I think all these guys are going to get touches this year. I don't. I know people are saying Lynn J. Dixon going there is a waste for Lynn J. Dixon. And I agree. You know, he was at Clemson and then he transferred to West Virginia this offseason. Sounds like it didn't work out there for him tonight with Tennessee. And I get that he maybe he could have gone can to he, a Buffalo. Can he play right away? Just supposedly. Questions. I don't suppose. Okay. Supposedly. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. Um, but I think, I do think he probably will play this year. I don't think it's a total waste. I mean, he just won't be a bell cow, but, you know, maybe he just wants to be part of a, a committee. Yeah, I think he is going. He is just good enough of a player to be annoying, uh, and and make this a little bit more of a four way split than what we would want it to be, which is really annoying for Jabari Small. Because I I was with you. I like Jabari Small. I think he's going to be the guy who leads this committee. I think he has some nice tools as well, and and has an NFL future. Um, but yeah, this is it's probably going to be a split. It's. These guys in the room are all just talented enough that none of them is going to be like a true bell cow. And it's just kind of annoying. Um, 
wide receiver, the last position group here. Uh, Tillman is the obvious wide receiver one. Colin, is he a day two guy? If you say no, you're gone. So, <laughs> uh, you graciously allowed me back on the show after we did not receive our 10 reviews. Yeah, don't try your luck, kid. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm not gonna test it. The audience, um, you know, you, you have. Uh, yourselves to blame for this take, but yes, he has a path to day two draft capital. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, I think. I think so too. I think overall wide receiver one is in play. I really, really do. Uh, tough matchups didn't bother them. They're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to run a ton of plays. They're going to be an explosive offense. Like I don't. He was good against Georgia last year. He he mm-hmm. was good in some of their bigger games down the stretch. So I uh, I I don't think there's anything. Uh, holding him back from that perspective yeah and i think he'll be a senior bowl guy too i think he'll probably be one of the guys who you'll see some nice uh nice clips of him at a senior bowl like mossing some dude or something and he'll get some hype after that too so i think he's pretty safely a day two guy yeah and then on the cff side does he have the potential to be the number one cff wide receiver i'm throwing that one to you I think he does. Yeah. I think that's certainly, he would kind of be, I think he would be my pick. Yeah. I think that he has that, that uh, potential outcome. I mean, they have more, I think they had, they're a little deeper wide receiver this year, but they don't have another like quote guy, like in caps, like there's no one else there. And if Chris K DM or messages in the chat tomorrow, that it's Brew McCoy, uh, he is fired. <laughs> Um, what about Jalen Hyatt? Who's that? I've never heard of that. I don't think that person exists. No, okay. we had to bring that bit back, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, for, back to Tillman. Yeah. I think there's, there's a more likelihood that he ends up as the wide receiver one than Hendon Hooker does as the QB one. Um, but I don't think there's, I don't think it's super likely that he ends up being the wide receiver one, but there's a little bit more of a path there, but then behind Tillman, uh, there's a couple other guys here that that I like. I don't know if anybody's really going to be a consistent guy that you want to start week in, week out. Um, but they have some nice freshmen in there. Caleb Webb is a guy that I liked. Um, Marquarius Squirrel White Squirrel. Uh, <laughs> is a guy that uh, has purportedly been looking pretty good. Uh, I think he brings something very different compared to what everybody else in the room has. So I think he could see some early playing time there. Uh, and then in the spring, I remember hearing a little bit of buzz for Chaz Nimrod. Um, not a guy that I really watched much I, of. But... I took him in a couple extremely deep leagues this offseason as like my last round stash because he did get some some buzz through spring. He's kind of like white is like the really tiny, really fast guy. Webb, like the traditional big alpha. And then Nimrod was kind of just like the guy in the middle of those two. Um, so it wasn't... Um, you know, particularly interesting from a profile standpoint, but yeah, it sounds like he's, he looked decent. He feels like a kind of guy that doesn't stay at Tennessee, but goes to like, I, don't know, I was trying to pull a name out of my butt real quick. That would like UCF or something. and becomes their wide receiver one. Well, let's hope not UCF because nobody wants anybody on UCF. JRP but baby. I know, I know where you're going with that, that, that kind of a level. Maybe he, yeah. uh, maybe he goes to, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody in the AAC that I was thinking of. Uh, I was going to say SMU, but Dylan Goffney's there. He's not going to play this year anyway, apparently. Oh, really? No, he's not listed as a starter. Oh, interesting. I didn't see that. 
Yeah, it's uh, Corrales and Rice on the outside. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Totally off tar- topic, yeah. but it's fine. Um, That's a nice and, little nugget. <laughs> and then I had another question on here about the wide receivers behind him. Sounds like we kind of already covered that. So mm-hmm. um, no relevant tight ends here. Um, Vanderbilt's really depressing. Yeah. The show sheet is thin. Um, <laughs> there's, quarterback. There's 11 words. Technic 10 and sort of a word. <laughs> Sounds like Mike Wright will be the starter there for them, uh, which was an interesting development when they uh, released the initial uh, prize pick stuff. But it sounds like prize picks has kind of fixed their uh, week zero line. So, um, okay. I would be lying if I said I knew much about him at all. Truthfully. Same. Um yeah, you know, we kind of were operating a little bit more that it was going to be Ken Seals. Uh, I know some people were tilting that they were in Canton when this news dropped and the lines dropped for week zero and you can't bet in Canton, Ohio. So some people were not super happy that they couldn't put down on Ken Seals. But yeah, I think that's really about all you got to say in this room. Yeah, it's pretty great. AJ Swan. Came yeah, there. true freshman, but I haven't heard yeah. anything about him. So, no. you know, uh, maybe Maryland dodged a bullet there. Um, he's throwing to a uh, quote from the, the show sheet. Uh, I don't know. I really don't have a, a huge guess as to who like the go-to guy will be. Like Will Shepard will be the wide receiver one there, but he's not. I, I don't think he's fantasy relevant guy because Wright's his quarterback and they're just going to get bagged on every single game in the SEC. Like they are the floor mat again this year. Yeah, they're absolutely the floor mat. They won two games last year. They're probably looking at another two win season here this year. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of negative game script, but I don't really think that I want anybody anyway it's just a bad team it's a bad team ramon davis interesting to you um i mean he's like a 35 year old father of two at this point is what he looks like he just looks kind of exhausted at times out there um i mean there was some hope for him at one point if uh if if i'm taking anybody from this team it's him but if you're in a league with matt bruning forget about it because he's got him rostered in like every single league i'm sure he's like the only truther of his left pretty much um and that's really all i want to say about that um so that's it for the show guys again can you please guys please go give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to takes you 30 seconds um and it just hear austin beg very often and this is bordering on it I'm tired, man. I'm tired of this. These people can't listen, can't follow directions. They apparently hate you. Um, They're they're active. Maybe maybe we take the show away. Maybe take the show away from them. That would be fun. Um, (laughs) Give us a break. Yeah. You're doing three podcasts a week. We are killing ourselves out here, guys. We are. No respect from any of you guys. Yeah. A little review. We want to do a giveaway. Like I don't. I don't know how else to get through to these people. Um, campuscant.com. Check out everything over there. A new podcast drops this week. Bet on C2C. Um, going over some some week zero prize pick stuff, amongst other things. So definitely going to be a good listen there. Uh, Brandon Sanders, uh, Chris K, Ethan Sauer is going to be 
the trio over there. If you haven't listened to Back to Devi yet, our other new show, uh, two episodes out so far. Uh, go check them out, guys. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We will see you later this week for the final conference kickoff, the Sun Belt. Until then, Sun guys. Belt. I am call- or, yeah, I'm calling. <laughs> and I'm Austin. <laughs> Have a good one.